What did you eat for breakfast? <laughs> what did I eat for breakfast? I had steak and eggs. You are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company, located in Fort Worth, Texas. You may remember I talked to Justin back in episode 5 about the merch industry and his passion for music and working with bands and artists. Do you need help with your merch? Skinny Armadillo specializes in quality apparel decoration, including screen printing, embroidery, design, digital on-demand printing, web stores, fulfillment, and more. Contact Skinny Armadillo now to find out how you can grow your merch sales, discover the current printing technologies, or to get a quote. Call 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. That's 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. Right now, the Skinny Armadillo is running a spring cleaning sale to clear out the clutter and old stock items. Get free printing up to two colors on any in-stock lot of apparel, or free embroidery up to 8,000 stitches on in-stock hat lots. Visit the Skinny Armadillo on Facebook or Instagram and sign up to get access to the current sale list. Certain restrictions apply. Please see post for full details. Keep up to date with the podcast by going to musiconyourownterms.com and signing up for the mailing list. While you're there, check out the show notes to every episode featuring photos, videos, and music links. Browse the Music on Your Own Terms merch store and maybe pick up something for the missus. Consider supporting this podcast through my Patreon account to get exclusive content. Finally, please leave me a review on iTunes because it really helps the podcast get noticed. The more you can help get the word out, the more people I can help improve their business by way of the awesome information that my guests share with you guys. Thank you for listening. Welcome to episode 43 of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Based in Sandusky, Ohio, the Mohawk Studio is a 6,000 square foot, 172 year old church building that hosts not only a full service recording studio and artist accommodation, but also a live venue with a full bar. I talked to owner, operator, and producer Sean Daly who is also the bass player for the bands The Casket Company and Half Knocked Out. We talk about his history, how the studio and venue got started, and what drives his passion for music. In addition, we discuss the steps he's taking to get live concerts accessible to the world via streaming during the current coronavirus situation, and how that will help to replace bands' lost income from the cancellation of most live music for the foreseeable future.
I hope you'll hear a vast improvement on the sound quality in this episode, as I've made some changes to my setup and added some temporary sound treatment in my interview space, the closet, to buy me some time while I build and install properly designed acoustic panels. Check out my Instagram account, at MetalDoggy, that's M-E-T-A-L-D-O-G-G-I-E, and see what I did. Here's my interview with Sean, who had some great stories and a lot of valuable insights. Check it out. Welcome to another episode of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Today, I'm talking to Sean Patrick Thomas Daly, who is the owner and operator of the Mohawk Studio, which also doubles as Halo Live, and he also happens to be the bass player from the Casket Company. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm, survive- I'm surviving so far. <laughs> <laughs> As everybody should be. Hopefully we're all surviving. Yes, exactly. And, and we'll definitely get into that. Um, so, if, uh, yeah, so if you don't mind just uh, talking a little bit about uh, your, uh, the bands you're working in right now and the studio itself. Okay. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the, ba- uh, the bassist for the Casket Company. I uh, um, uh, recently joined that band, actually, like, I think it was t- two years ago. And uh, they've been around for about five years now, and I've been produ- their producer for for all these five years now. And um, uh, it's it's the music that I, I love to make uh, for myself. I, I I love a lot of different types of music. I've been in uh, country bands, I've been in uh, tribute bands, I've been in a lot of different bands, but you know a lot of them don't fill the soul. And it's it's the first band I've been in in probably about fifteen years that I want to write. I wanted to write with, so it's great on that. <clears throat> and um, I uh, started the studio, uh, shoot, um, I've been in the recording business for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the studio started coming around when I was living um, in a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, one bedroom, one bathroom, and I had a tape player, actually. Um, you can't see it. It's hanging on the wall back behind me. But uh, awesome. I have a tape player that I used as my, I didn't have a DAW. I had a literally legit cassette yep. recorder with four tracks. And um, I started doing hip-hop out of my apartment uh, back in 2000, 2000 2005. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that grew into a house that I got. And um, the house, uh, half the home was my studio. Out of that house, did a lot of albums. Worked in uh, Chicago. Um, because of the work I did in that house, I got to go to Chicago and, um, and produce at an, uh, Electrical Audio Studios uh, with Steve Albini, who is uh, the producer of you know, um, in utero, the Pixies, mm-hmm. um, he was a childhood, you know, music God to me. And I got to have him as my engineer. Awesome. And, um, that was, that was cool. So from there, it just kept growing. And, and, uh, now I, I found a, a 6,000 square foot, 172 year old church, mm. um, that I converted into my, my newest endeavor, my studio. So this is the Mohawk studio here. That's excellent. But uh, yeah, yeah, I live right next door. I live in the the pastor's uh, quarters uh, in the uh, yep. the parsonage. Um, and so you're you're based in Sandusky, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the studio also doubles as a music venue. Can you talk about that? Yes. Uh, one of the one of the things I wanted in my dream studio was to have enough space to to allow uh, fans of music to come in and witness bands perform in the same space that they recorded in um, to, 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 to hear the sound that's in here. And um, so 
yeah, I have a I have a live room that holds about 200 people. Uh, I got a 22 foot oak bar down there. Uh, I think I'm one of the only recording studios on the planet that has a fully functioning bar. Uh, <laughs> and uh, um, we uh, we do shows. We do shows every every you know so many weeks. Probably a couple times, three times a month. We'll throw a show down here. A lot of times with artists that are currently recording or have recorded here or come back and, and, and be an opener on the show. A lot of touring acts. We have free room and board here at the studio. Uh, we have uh, accommodations for up to, I do believe it's six people, seven people. Nice. Um, that can stay here uh, free of charge. Any artists that come through that are on tour nice. so they can perform here. I got a full commercial kitchen in the basement. Awesome. So, you know, we have uh, the amenities that a lot of bands will get afforded to get afforded to while on tour. And um, so, you know, it, it's great, and it's been great. For about two years now, we've been doing this, and then, of course, we get hit with this uh, little disease outbreak that's happening right now that's yeah. causing some Absolutely. panic. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, let's talk about that. So you just um, put a, a notice out that, you know, you, you're still um, encouraging bands to play the shows that are already booked. And um, you're setting up live streaming and ways to uh, ways for people to donate, right. so you can still get the revenue that you would normally charge as a cover charge. Yep. Um, you know, so that that's a that's a great thing. So, I mean, how how has that started yet, or have you just announced that? We just announced it um, this weekend. We we ran it through some tests uh, to see if we are capable of streaming with our infrastructure here. Yeah. Um, if we have fast enough internet, you know, we're going to get, you know, what kind of audio we're going to get. And we got those bugs out for the most part. Um, here this next week, I'm hoping to actually go live with, uh, with a band or two, um, just basically intimate setting. Um, you know, and, and fans can donate through, uh, PayPal, Cash App, uh, Apple Pay right now. Those are the three formats we have set up, but there will be more added. Okay. Um, from what I'm, I'm getting people telling me that we're not, you know, it's going to be like late summer before this starts really getting a, a control on things. I'm hoping it's not, but um, at least for April, I want to make sure bands can still, because right now this all hit, there's bands still on tour. Yeah. There's still bands like literally out there that, that all their shows just got canceled. Absolutely. And I may have to cancel shows just for that fact that they just, they literally packed up and went home. Right. Um, but a lot of local bands, uh, if they want to, or if there's a band that's out there, they want to get in here and they want to still to try to salvage a little bit of their, um, efforts out on tour, get some gas money, at least make up some of the loss. You know, that's, that's, um, that's the idea of having a donation system in place. And what's neat about that is that you're not dealing with just the 200 people to come in off the street that pay a ticket at the door. Now you're now you can be in in Hungary watching a band live and say, yeah, I'm gonna kick these guys a buck, right? You know, so hopefully you get a several hundred several hundred people that each kick in fifty cents or a dollar or something like that 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 I can get to these guys and these artists to, uh, you know, so we don't we don't lose our asses here, right? Uh, no, totally. This is this is gonna be a really hard time in the entertainment industry. industry. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, so, I work at a t-shirt, um, but, printing company mm -hmm. and, you know, we're, we're already seeing, um, orders that, you know, from, from touring artists and stuff like that, just like, uh, well, we're going to hold off right now. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to affect everything. Um, but right. what, I mean, what are your thoughts on 
um, this kind of forcing people like artists to actually um, double down on their streaming and their, you know, their uh, Facebook live posts. Do you think this is actually going to benefit people that are going to get their shit together for that side of the thing? Yeah, I, I think it's going to it's going to um, it's going to make technology adapt. Um, I think it's going to uh, cause cre- uh, creativeness uh, to go th- go up quite a bit. Uh, as far as being creative and how you present yourself out there to your fans. Mm. Um, you know, we saw the uh, evolution of the show, live shows turn into a lot of DIY lately. Uh, so a lot of home shows going on. And um, I think f- I think those avenues are going to be able to be still successful. The problem is, is that you're not going to be able to dip into the pool of artists that, like here, we get artists that came out of New Orleans, Florida, you know, um, Canada. They're not going to get on the road for quite some time. They're going to stay local. So right now, your economy of, of live entertainment is going to be on a on a local, very local uh, level. So we got to we got to you know be good to each other on a local level. Mm. So I think it's going to um, it's going to be neat because for us implementing this, once the uh, restrictions are lifted and people come to shows again, I think we're going to continue streaming. Mm. I think we're going to continue uh, uh, getting uh, other avenues for bands to make revenue from shows live. Um, that's not just uh, uh, just coming here and playing for a door cover charge. Right. Yeah. I mean, necessity is the uh, mother of invention. Right. So. Right. There's there's been a lot of cool inventions coming from quarantines over the years. I was reading this morning uh, about um, how some mathematicians during the uh, uh, during the um, 1917, 1918 outbreak of the Spanish flu, uh, because they were quarantined at home, they sat at home and worked through math problems that not otherwise they would be working on. And right. they came up with some really cool, uh, actually life-changing math uh, issues, solved a lot of things, and a lot of stuff got done. Right, yeah. I mean, a lot of times I feel that the amount of distraction we have in in the culture today is is detrimental to progress. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. This is gonna this is gonna this is gonna really ground some people. And I think the scary part is that um, I, I I still I know personally some people who don't believe it's actually happening or it's even um, a uh, a thing to worry about. So they're going amongst their you know daily lives throughout the community and um, without any kind of caution and that's that kind of that worries me i (laughs) i Mm. I, i'm kind of glad i have my my back cave here to the quarantine myself and if i need to (laughs) yeah us um us introverts are gonna uh, come out come out on the other side i think because we're used to this right um so anyway let's let's go back i mean what what was it that got you into music in the very first place wow uh, growing up in a household, my, my father, um, when I was real young, uh, my dad, we had a piano in the living room and he would, I had a bass guitar at 12 or 13 that I started learning and he would make me at Christmas time, I would play bass while he played on, on the upright piano. And, um, and that's all I thought about it as far as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the talents of my father. Uh, I started building my own recording studio in my basement in my parents' house in 1993. Um, so that, that my mom always pushed me to step outside the box and keep keep pushing, keep pushing, keep follow your dreams and, 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 and be innovative. What was uh, interesting about all that 
when I turned 17, I found out that my dad uh, was actually a, a touring keyboardist from 1963 to 1973. Mm. And um, my dad uh, actually enjoyed going on. My dad was on tour with Three Dog Night and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Awesome. Um, in the early 70s uh, as the opening act for uh, both of those bands. And um, so I, I, I really quickly at 17 years old found out that I'm, I'm actually part of a bloodline of a, of a gentleman who made money making music for almost 10 years, a decade, and he, got, he walked away from it because it, he wanted to raise a family, and he, he didn't tell anybody really mm. because of that fact. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, back in those days, it was easy to label him as a dirty hippie, and he really wasn't. He was uh, just scared. He wanted to raise money. He wanted to get money for the, for the family, and that's how he knew how to do it. Right. So, um, so I, I would say, you know, playing with, playing with Pops at an early age, and then uh, I, my, my friends, the people I was in school with, and uh, uh, I, innovating. We, had a, we took a, a mixing board. We got a pawn shop mixing board I bought in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, in my little studio in my mom's house, and we hardwired a boombox to it so we can record everything off the the mixing board into a little boombox tape player. Wow! And we we would mic things up, we would build build amps, we would do all kinds of crazy stuff down there, and I got I got many noise violations from the cops from that place. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I guess it's a very big. That's a very it's a very ambiguous answer, I guess. What got me in the music is just, you know, I think the music really got me. Um, right. I, I was just kind of, I knew it was in me, and it's a disease. But the 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 farther down the rabbit hole I went on, um, and especially in the early '90s, uh, the music was uh, am- amazing and pure, and mm. uh, you know, holding an album in your hands was a was still a thing and and mtv was something you actually enjoyed watching and didn't loathe <laughs> um all that i wanted to i wanted to do that i wanted to be that so can you can you name like a, a single band that um i mean like what 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 was it that what you wanted to do bass over every other instrument i mean was it just because you you were kind of like that's the instrument your dad wanted you to play or was there a specific band or player that influenced you to get into that? Uh, not um, interesting. Interesting. I, I started taking bass because that was the instrument that the uh, jazz band in high school um, they they needed. Mm. Um, they didn't have a guy doing that, and I thought, cool. I don't have to be you know once I, I didn't have to be one of like the three trumpet players or the tuba you know the two jazz band they have tuba player, but I played tuba. Right. And um, I, I I loved. In those days, like the Chili Peppers, you know, Flea, that mm-hmm. was like, wow. Primus was was a big thing in 93. Um, I was a giant Tool fan. Um, yep. I, and I, all those songs had a bass and a rhythm section that really killed it. And also, you know what? Guitar just seemed really tough. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit it. It was, uh, guitar is kind of... I was like, wow, there's a lot of things you got to do with that bass. I can hit one string and just really... You know, and I I always wanted to be a drummer, and I never for some reason pursued that. So it's a cl- so I can be you know bassist and drummers usually click supposed to you know merge and and, and be symbiotic. Yeah. And um, but uh, I actually started out playing pretty much cello and um, mm-hmm. uh, learning theory, uh, music theory, and um, 
my instructor uh, did not allow me to learn cover songs, even though I was it was killing me for like four years. Uh, I couldn't touch a cover song. It was all about theory and uh, about um, uh, meth- the methodology and and of playing bass and and music in general. Hmm. And uh, I was really angry at that time that I wasn't allowed to play Green Day for goodness sakes. But I did it on my own. But when I had to sit with him, it was you know. It's like a ruler cracking your knuckles because you didn't have you know you know do the proper fingering style for a scale or whatever. Right. So, um, but Al broke free after. Um, so after I graduated high school, I joined the Marine Corps mm-hmm. and uh, took off to um, Hawaii. I was stationed in Hawaii and Japan, and um, I got to play with a lot of really cool bands out that way. And I was in a band called the Three to Three Inch Mickey's, which was a Hawaiian punk band. Okay. And, um, yeah, so that's where I, yeah, that's where things really kind of started taking off, you know, playing, uh, playing out there and, and meeting musicians from Japan and, you know, uh, Korea and, and, and Hawaii was, was pretty cool. Awesome. Um, got to, uh, got to experience, uh, uh, so, like suicidal tendencies, mm-hmm. um, those guys, uh, were out in Hawaii twice and the third time, the third time they got... They got banned from Hawaii, so they came out under <laughs> a different band name because they were involved in gangs, I guess. Uh, and uh, so they, uh, so yeah, I got to meet Robert Trillio, awesome, and, uh, all those cats. Um, so w- as a recording producer, um, have, have there any been any you know really notable artists you've worked with, or like what what's the thing you you're most proud of recording? Wow, wow, well. F- the, mo- the most proud experience I had was actually sitting next to Steve Albini, the guy who made records that I that I still listen to to this day, um, and and wonder how he did it, and right. ask be able to ask him question, ask him questions with him sitting next to me, literally eating lunch with us, and I'm sitting here asking questions about the albums that that shaped my youth. That was a huge experience. But as far as bands go, mm. um, every band that comes here. Uh, I try to take a little bit something from internally uh, to either learning from them or I, um, I try to do something right. different um, recording technique wise every single time um, I record. So I'll, I will do something different than I've never done every time we set up to do a band here. Um, one experience we had early on here at this place was back in 2018. Um, we had uh, a band called Trino Leaves. And um, they were kind of, um, um, mm-hmm. n- it's kind of neo-funk soul, if you will. Um, not too jam bandy, but kind of jam bandy. But they uh, they came here and they brought, um, PBS was doing a documentary on these guys. Okay. And PBS was camped out here at the studio for, um, um, oh God, how long was it? I think, I think we were working on an album about six months, seven months. Okay. And... Um, so I got to share some experiences with those guys with cameras present. That documentary, by the way, is supposed to come out either this spring or, or summer. Um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to see a lot. You're going to see I had a 14-inch Mohawk when, when <laughs> I had that for 12 years. And, and, and halfway through the taping of the video, I decided to cut it off and grow my hair back. And it, that was a whole different thing. But my, my staff oh, thought, that's bad for continuity. I'm sure yeah, be, the, the, the producer's going to be tearing his hair out for that one. But, well, I, I like I like to look at it as evolution. 
I, uh, right. you know, you see me open the door up, inviting them in the front door of the church. I had the mohawk, and then halfway through, you just see it gone, and then the <laughs> third of the way through, you see hair growing back. Right. It's just, I, I think it's kind of like a Where's Waldo. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, oh wow, what? Ha- oh, I know something's different. Yeah. Um. That that there is a couple songs that they did that we worked on that really actually hit me. Um. On a level that I actually had, I actually went and sought out some um, uh, psycho- psychological help. Um. Mm. Stuff that I didn't deal with my father and, and my mom and and um, right. I I didn't realize that you know was still there. But um, some of their songs really hit me on a on a level. Uh. We're going to, of course, always uh, Casket Company and Bruce um, has been, whoa, has been uh, uh, always amazing. Uh, we're about to um, embark on re-recording of um, Napalm Summer, which is our second album. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a, it's can still considered an EP. Um, it's, it's, it's about length, not uh, how many songs are on it. But um, we're going to refashion and reformat that album and re-release it. Um, in 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 the in the way it should have been the first time we we think we we rushed it a little bit okay and um and that's and that's what we're gonna do so yeah i gosh i wish i love every single band that's ever been through here every Mm. single rap artist has been here i've had country i've had i had a ukrainian lady that can play violin she's one of the i guess top five violinists on the planet she she played a uh, a thirty five minute piece that we recorded uh, by memory. Wow! No, no sheet music, completely by memory, and uh, that that I don't. I, that's a whole different level I can't even comprehend. Right. So. Well, that's killer. So yeah, the journey keeps going. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can't wait to see that documentary. That sounds really cool. Um, yeah, when it comes out. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I think um, Full Circle came out like amazing I, the sound is killer <laughs> the, the songwriting's killer thank you you're very welcome what about one of my favorite albums i've ever done excellent okay so uh what major significant negative experience have you can have you overcome and what did it teach you negative experience um probably uh the learning curve early on and in, 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 in running a studio is um couple things uh the psychology of dealing with artists who who have an idea in their head but can't execute it and when you're surrounded by the rest of the band who think that they're on the same page the the one artist who can't execute it then tension happens and that tension can boil over to people walking out um that can i can turn into a fight real quick and mm-hmm. Early on, when I started opening up my house in Huron for business, when having clients in full bands would stay on my couch, um, I mean, full on, full on fights would break out in the studio. I mean, I'm, I'm watching a drummer and a, and a guitarist basically duke it out in the middle of the live room, and I got to, you know, just let, let boys be boys, or do I go in and break it up? And of course, I break it up, but... Mm. Um, you know that that's always a challenge, and I try. I have a whole way to approach it now because of the learning curve. Now I'm, you know, I'm I'm ready for it, and I'm able to, to mitigate it really easily. But if you don't know what you're doing, and that happens in in your safe environment, um, it it turns into a uh, it turns into a nightmare <laughs> real quick. Right. Because now you're trying to grab equipment so it doesn't get broken. <laughs> it's like, oh, the yep. insurance going to cover that hole. Right. <laughs> so. 
Um, uh, I, I, you know, that and also uh, learn, learning how to run a business. I, I ran a business, but not the music business. Uh, I ran uh, an environmental consulting company for a while with my dad and my sister. And um, that, you know, you do work, you put an invoice out, you collect money. And when dealing with the music business, you know, not all the time do artists have money when you need to make sure they have it to pay to get their art done. And I'm constantly uh, looking at ways for artists to raise money or, or raise funds so they can get, you know, their the dream accomplished. You got to feed the dream is what my mentor used to say. Right. So um, so basically it's, it's um, you know, being patient. I don't, you know, ask for huge money, sums of money up front to do an album. But I do understand. I do have to make them understand that, you know, you can't go to the studio and expect everyone in the studio to do stuff for free. Mm, no. Sure. Um, just as you know well because they a lot of bands because they think it's no big deal for themselves to do stuff for free right so they apply that math to everyone around them mm. and um i think that's a learning curve that uh you know i think during this crisis that we're in with uh, live entertainment with no one being able to play shows is going to teach a lot many the, the how to be resourceful if you want to do shows because i mean it, it trickles down into the food and beverage people yep um you know the guitar manufacturers like you know with you with t-shirts there's there's secondary and tertiary um issues that start arising that now you got to think of how do you how do you, do you have a solution to that problem do you just fold up right exactly. um so i think i think bands the bands that know how to do business properly i think um you know they may they may not pursue uh tours right now more bands that don't know may just say caution throw caution to win and go at it either way you know i want i want every every artist out there to know that you know there is ways to keep your the machine going there's ways mm -hmm. to keep the 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 music going and you just gotta you gotta be creative about it but yeah running running a business with in a in a market that you know isn't much money there to begin with is 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 pretty foolhardy. <laughs> so <laughs> for sure. Um, do you, I mean do you find yourself becoming more of a mentor on the business side when you work with bands? Hundred percent, hundred percent. They'll be up here. Uh, we'll be recording, and they'll have the laptop out. So what do you think about this, Sean? Or um, They'll ask, uh, uh, you know, would it be better to re the the big one is do we release an entire album or mm -hmm. do we do you know singles every month? Do we do an EP? What is more uh, feasible? What's going to capture the most potential for, um, you know, for our music to get out there? And I usually start off with uh, write good music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's right. that's the first part, and then then we get into like you know because. I love it. I love the I love the innocence of someone created a song and in their head already is like how do I make sure that this gets to the 5 or 10 million people that want to hear it. Right. They have no they have no evidence uh of of any reasoning to believe that the 5 people down the street aren't going to listen to it but th they don't care. Yeah. They don't care. It's their dream. So I I love enabling that because there's now you can be a solo artist that can or a full band that can get your music in front of 10 million people without you know paying for a label necessarily and i say paying for a label because that's pretty much what you do anymore yes um yes. agreed but yeah uh the, the 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 mentorship on that stance of it is is 
you know, be yourself. Don't fake the funk. Have integrity, you know, to yourself and your bandmates, and have transparency within your band. Um, and and really, you know, rely on others who know where to place your music or how to guide you to place that music. Don't be uh, foolhardy and 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 go all in on just vinyl, let's say, and nothing else. And I'm like, well, your vinyl is only going to be picked up at shows or ordered online and that's also $30 a record and that's very difficult in this era to keep sustain to sustain that kind of uh music. So, oh for sure. Yeah, I'm I mean I I still I've I'm kind of an adopter of new stuff. I mean, I I spent you know, easily 100 pounds a month on on the amount of CDs back in the day and then, you know, stream you know, downloads just annoyed the crap out of me because I had to figure out where to put the stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my last car had a CD MP3 player and I had, I must've had like 50 CDRs in there with like four or five albums on them. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And as soon as I got streaming, I'm like, yes, this is the answer. I mean, yeah, the revenue is, is a, is not great. And, you know, it's a difficult way to sustain a living, but it gets your music out to the entire planet and you can look up stuff that was available, you know, a hundred years ago. Or, yeah, right. That would have been out of print, and no one's going to hear it. But now everyone can hear everything that's ever been released, just as long as someone puts it up there. Yeah, it doesn't have to be out of print anymore. But yeah, I still think the physical media has a has a place. Um, but you just have to make more of an effort into it. You know, mm-hmm. I won't buy a plastic box anymore, but I will buy. A, a you know a nice digi pack with great artwork and a you know maybe a song sheet or a tab or like a couple of pics or something like that that right. just adds to the value of it. So, I, I what's interesting about the physical media part about it is is um, why why is vinyl st- still kicking butt? You know, it's even it's outselling CDs right now mm-hmm. um, because vinyl is a media. It's a, it's a it's a, a physical uh, media that doesn't require updating. Right. The the physical method by which you listen to a record has been unchanged for almost 100 years. Mm-hmm. Um, same goes with cassette tapes. Um, those are coming back too. Um, yes, they are. I just actually bought one. Right? <laughs> the, it, 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 but it's not, it, people, are like, people are like about the sentimental part of it and they want to they paint the picture that it's about a better sound. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's some of that, but it's and it's also it's it is it's 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 it, it feels comforting to slip a cassette into a cassette player, close it, and then you know when you need to flip it over or it does it automatically, which is cool. Yep. You know, um, it, it 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 there's something about that physical, you know, doing that ritual. However, the method and I learned this at out at Electrical Audio why Steve Albini uses tape. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, real to real tape and, and everyone swears up and down. It's because it has that warm analog sound. And he's like, no, it's because I can have tape machines that last 60 years. If I know how to maintain them myself, there's always parts out there. Mm. I, I don't have to update it. CD players need updating. Um, electronics, uh, they come out with the newest, greatest and plant planned obsolescence mm-hmm. uh, kicks in where things break easy and, and you got to go get a new thing and that new thing needs a new update and you got to start listening to music in a different format. Whoa, this sucks. Now I got to re-download everything. Yep. You know, so that's where now I think because um, the market um, at large in the last 20 years has put in those planned obsolescence with CD players and MP3s, downloads, 
um, you know, it, it's it, the com- consumer market is really nailing it down, saying, okay, stream it. I don't want to carry my MP3s with me anymore. I don't mind paying nine bucks a month to, to have every single song ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I love my record player because on Sunday mornings, I love, you know, making some steak and eggs and pop a record on, listen to some jazz. Mm. So I, it, it's interesting that way, but the business aspect, uh, a lot of bands, that's something that could, that that could be a website out there or somebody could do as a mentor that could probably do very well if they knew how to make it so that, you know, bands didn't have to pay out of pocket to have legal advice. <laughs> <laughs> so however that is, For I sure. don't know, somebody's going to invent a way to do that down the road. Right. Um, so flipping that question around, what major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow this journey? Uh, having somebody who have ever, I've never heard... I've never met. I've I, I don't even know their name. Find out that I worked on an album they love, come up to me and shake my hand or give me a hug, um, because they loved the work I did. Wow! And that to me, that is because I don't like I, as an engineer and as a producer, I don't like inserting myself into the band's art. Mm. Um, the a lot of times a band, hey, what do you think? Or hey, by the way, Sean, play bass on this. I've done that. I was doing it last night for a, a Christian band uh, that's from up here called Re- um, Resolution. And uh, they have a song that's, that's Tool-like that they wanted me to play bass on. Actually, two songs on that album they want me to play bass on. And uh, But I, I, I don't like inserting it, but there's a certain sound I like to achieve when I'm mixing, and, and, and it's, it's, it's identifiable. And uh, when someone goes, hey, I saw your your name. You're you're that Sean that's on that album, right? You're the producer. You're the engineer, and yeah, and I love this album. T- tell me how you made this song. Tell me how, you, and that that hits me really deep. <laughs> so that makes <laughs> that's, that's that cool. makes me that makes me. If there's you know, I'm 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 floating on the ground off the ground about three feet as I'm I'm, I'm carrying carrying on my way, and uh, right. yeah, that that's that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so let, let's talk a, just briefly on uh, Bruce's new album. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? So just uh, I'm, I'm going to be uh, releasing an episode with Bruce uh, talking about his new CD, but um, just from your perspective, what was the experience like recording Bruce's stuff? Okay, well, I, going into it, I you know, I've been working with Bruce for quite some time. Um, mm. he, I, he, he is probably one of the most genuine honest honest and and kind-hearted human beings i know and so when you're producing it's hard to um you got to be careful when you have somebody who's really uh, in their in their own head performing he he is a genius drummer um one i have to say probably one of the top three i've ever i've ever had the pleasure of seeing live let alone playing with in my 27 years of music um uh, how how it was making this album? Um, him and I both have a really kind of weird, skewed look at reality. Uh, <laughs> I love pushing. I love pushing envelopes on on sounds and ideas and um, and, and and pushing them. And and I love that Bruce thinks in an abstract that that feeds that push, mm-hmm. if you will. So it's kind of dangerous when him and I start con- con- conceptualizing <laughs> things. 
and and you're gonna you're gonna see it uh actually yeah not just hear it but you're gonna see it some of the video that uh he's got uh being made um hits on all cylinders of everything i love and what i what i visualize would be happening uh, happening with his music um it it, it, it's interesting because it's all it is all instrumental progressive Mm -hmm. um it's very art um art based meaning that that it's it's abstract at times and and then very you know brutally mathematic at other times so it, it was uh it was something that that i i hope that i never stop doing that's that's cool yeah me i that's why i love you know working with him on the art side and just helping him get this stuff out because yeah it's it's just it's just ridiculous honestly it's so good um awesome so in your opinion what like uh who would be interested in this album oh wow um wow fans of dream theater uh fans fans of uh tool um anyone who's into progressive um progressive rock metal um i would think even uh some of the uh, people who love jazz believe it or not mm-hmm. would get into it because there's some there's some abstract stuff that happens that um patterns he that bruce uh comes up with and plays off of you know they 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 hit you and they, they're like where is this gonna go you don't know where it's mm. gonna go <laughs> and then you, mm-hmm. it, it finally works its way into another part and his 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 um i also think the gaming community is gonna be huge on this album yep um I think I think um, people who love listening to um, to metal who actually study in college, um, mm. I, I you know college or students in general because it again it's instrumental, but it um, it's great music to have in the background because it, it really helps you uh, 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 it helps you focus I it, it helps me at least so that's cool yeah uh, so I mean probably looking at like animals as leaders fans and. Right. You know, I, right. Do you, do you do you think that um so th- this is a random question but do you do you feel that possibly uh progressive music can be a little elitist in its let's say following not necessarily intentional for the music but no very much so uh there's there's a lot of uh uh progressive music because they pride pride a lot of the music and and the listenership pride themselves on attention to detail. I, I, I can't even I, I won't even go into, you know, who knows more about math and theory and modes and um you know circular uh factions of, of progressive music. I get down to it's a it's a expression of attention to detail. How how under the microscope can you craft a song that um each time a listener listens to it, they can hear a different, you know, um level of the onion peeling away, if you will. Um it, the latest part of it is just that's it turns into a contest of who heard what. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 fun latest part of that music is musicians that play it because then they then they start. Uh, it, it's always hilarious to watch a bass player have a conversation about um, layers and and or par- melodic parts in a song with a guitar player in the same band. And they're having, uh, you know, a, a, a friendly war over who's going to be able to play faster, <laughs> or <laughs> or who's going to play more notes. And right. I'm just like, oh wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so that's that's, yeah. that's my experience with progressive uh, music. Um, what I like uh, about what Bruce uses in this uh, uh, album coming out is that he's he uses space a lot more than um, than trying to cram uh, five pounds of music in a two pound bag. Right. Um, he um, he uses space that that a lot of times the songs get really intense, but then he will literally you know cut the uh, pull the rug off an Ethia and let let the song soar a little bit. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to hear the finished product. Product It's going to be absolutely killer. Uh, yep. um, so so the final question, uh, the big one is, what does music mean to you? Music means to me is, it means it's, it is, a, it, for me, is a, it's just as giving a hug or a kiss to somebody. It's love. Um, it is your outward expression of how you feel um, without you actually saying specifics. Um, either people who play it, it's the way they express to others mm -hmm. who either in the, you're playing with them or it's someone playing it, f you know, for the purposes of themselves. It can be about self-love and about uh, uh, healing. Um, but ultimately it is, is literally, um, it's, it's a love of... It, it, it's expression of love. It's what it is. So it's it's. I'm trying to find a, a, an analogy to put behind that, but there really isn't. It's 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 a form of verbal and or non-verbal communication that um that and and, and it's weird about that is because a lot of the music to, that we listen to these days or I I play is is it doesn't sound like it's about love. It's it sounds like it's a lot about anger and mm. uh, resentment and and that <laughs> right. stuff, but. Ultimately, ultimately, the 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 path behind that is that you're doing that so that you find some kind of closure. Mm. You know what's causing that within you? Are you you know embracing the uh, the the anger? Sometimes is cathartic and it helps you um, you know get past that. Absolutely. Some of the happiest people I know play really really ang angry music. So yep, <laughs> well, it's it's just a ma massive catharsis that just pours out, and then you're like ah. <laughs> So right, right. It's good therapy. It's like yes. it's like uh, fishing for uh, on, a, on, a, on a different level. I can see that. Sure. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. So uh, where can find uh, where can people find out about what music you're on, uh, about the studio, and about the um, about the venue? Okay. Um, well, we are located in Sandusky, Ohio. That's right between Toledo and Cleveland. We're right on the on, on Lake Erie, with three blocks from the lake. Um, it's uh, if you go to themohawkstudio.com or halo, H A L O, live.us, both of those places uh, will get you to who we are. Um, you can look up The Mohawk Studio or Halo Live on Facebook. We're on Instagram. A uh, couple of the bands that I'm in right now that I'm working with Casket Company, uh, casket company.com. Um, also, uh, we're going to have a website, I hope, uh, I'm with, uh, half knocked out, which is, a uh, a, a three piece punk band that, that's up here. Kind of Ramones ish. Okay. We're on Facebook and Instagram half knocked out. And, um, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, yeah, all the uh, music half knocked out. We'll have an album be dropping here in the next month or two, I think. And Casket Company will have uh, that re-release of Napalm Summer. I'm hoping by um, by June. Okay, awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. It was a killer conversation. Um, ah, thank you for having me on, man. Uh, yeah, I, I wish you continued success in the future, and hopefully this we, we get through this uh, this craziness um, sometime soon, and everything will you know maybe be better than it was before we started. So, I like to think of that. I li- I'm hoping for that. Yes. Um, and finally, uh, what song would you like to play at the end of the episode? Song I want to play at the end of the episode I would like you to play is um, I would say Thirteen by the Casket Company. Awesome, will do. All right, once again, thank you, and uh, we'll we'll end it there. All right, cool. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. Thanks again for listening. I hope this will give you some ideas to think outside the box in this difficult time where our livelihoods are at stake. Uh, because of the shutdown of live venues and gatherings. I definitely think this is a great time to hone your craft, get creative, learn new skills, and definitely do some Facebook Lives and, and Instagram Live feeds and get your music out there and get your performances out there and really learn how to use the tools that we have. This is definitely the perfect time to do that. I think anytime you face adversity, you want to make sure that you're taking into account the negative aspects, but don't dwell on them. I think it's really important to push forward and think positive and find the silver lining in any situation. What can I achieve rather than what am I not going to be able to do? With that said, please visit musiconyourownterms.com, sign up for the mailing list, check out the show notes for every episode, visit my store, Visit the Patreon account because actually this episode, I chatted with Sean after the podcast ended and I think uh, there's a decent amount of conversation that didn't get put on the podcast that um, is still useful and I'll be sharing that on the Patreon account along with some other content. For those of you that don't have Patreon accounts, I urge you to start them because you really need to make it easy for people to support you and what you're doing. And of course... Look at other bands you like and support them on Patreon by merch. Um, This is going to be a difficult time where people do rely on touring. But I think as we discussed in the episode, it's a time to start thinking outside the box and figure out other ways to make revenue. So with that, keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. From the album Full Circle, which I actually did some of the artwork for, this is The Casket Company with 13.